not happen for an age. What's that? Tis a gathering. And welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry and this is episode 62 of Entmoot and I realise it doesn't come exactly quick sticks straight after my big Ardu Gargantucon episode, uh, which was... originally intended to be two episodes uh, covering Ardacon, which is of course the biggest... Um, Middle Earth Strategy Battle Game tournament in the world, or certainly uh, one of them. Um, it, it was intended to be two episodes, but then I just kind of rolled them in together and uh, released a mammoth one last time. So uh, I, I guess that meant that you had fewer episodes to delve into over a longer period of time, uh, but equally all the content um, was provided, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed that one. Um, I've had a few messages, which I'll delve into later uh, as part of this episode, because I've asked uh, with... I suppose, kind support from Damien O'Byrne and Tom Harrison of the SBG magazine um, for a little bit of a competition. Um, They gave me some prizes that I'm going to give away on the podcast. And I've asked you, essentially, to send in your episode name for the next episode, uh, or certainly the next tournament episode. Uh, I've encouraged you to email in entmootpodcast at gmail.com with an idea for some kind of episode name, um, ideally punning in some way around uh, Easterlings or um, the uh, the Battle for Unnumbered Tears, which is the tournament I'm going to next time. So, uh, thanks so much. Uh, I'll delve into the email inbox later on in the programme for everyone getting in touch. But first, let's get on to the uh, sort of, I suppose, the business of the day, really, because we've got a tournament to go to, and this one is a delightful one. Um, it's, I suppose, it's. It's the closest comparison for this tournament is something like Seven Stones. In fact, it's pretty much the same format as Seven Stones, uh, and you can delve back into the archive uh, if you don't know much about Seven Stones. But uh, it's also comparable to the Lincoln Whimsical One Dayer, which I went to recently, uh, which encouraged theme of uh, and hat wearing and competitions of uh, around you know uh, costumes and all that sort of stuff and fun uh, lists. Um, because Rings of Men is essentially it's built around the idea that there are you know the the the, the rings of uh, of the Barrow uh, I've not the Barrow White so I'm getting ahead of myself there uh, the rings of the uh, the Ring Raves and the um, uh, the Dwarves and the the Elves and the One Ring and um, all the scenarios built around those so there are sort of different numbers of objectives uh, than are normal there are slight variants it's all really cool and basically everyone goes with the intention not of winning really um but of actually just bringing a weird list so with that in mind let's build an army yeah we're building an army uh the the, the tournament is an 850-point tournament. The scenarios are predetermined, uh, and it's at 7th City Collectibles in Nottingham, so a regular uh, sort of haunt of mine because I'm so close to Nottingham, just an hour down the road, um, and run by World Champion, the uh, the uh, who we'll hear, of course, from later on in the episode, um, and a regular tournament goer and winner. Um, and I basically, having thought initially, oh, I'll take some Easterlings and I'll just, I'll just have fun with Easterlings, um, I realised I was kind of thinking, oh, you know what, I uh, I feel like I'm getting 
too good with Easterlings? I don't think that's fair. I'm not good. Um, I just thought that um, with this being a very themey, fun kind of tournament, that actually um, uh, this the, it didn't really encourage Easterlings, which have now sort of pivoted from being once the sort of laughed-off uh, kind of army list to actually now being pretty decent, especially if you're combining any of the new heroes into stuff. Um, so I thought, right, okay, I'll move away from that. Let's 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 go to something that's you know really underrated, that that's very rarely used, that isn't very strong, doesn't often grace the top tables. And I thought, let's go, Angmar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, maybe not not the, uh, the the what you're thinking, but don't worry. I'm not going for Gulliver, Witch King, Orcs, Filth. Though there will be Barrowites. I'm going for something reminiscent of a an army list I used to use uh, back before the Hobbit edition. Uh, sorry, back before the, the the Hobbit edition ended. So in the Hobbit edition, I would run this army list, which was centered around a few cool gimmicks that sort of worked. It did well against some things, but it didn't. It wasn't exactly a tournament winner. I certainly wasn't a good enough player back then uh, to be able to uh, take it to 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 victory. But it certainly had some cool thoughts behind it. So. With that in mind, let's let's start at the top with the Dwimmer Lake on horse. So Dwimmer Lake, not a combat hitter. I mean, it got a two-handed sword. Um, you know, he's just he's just a magic magical person. But he is really good. He's high defense. Uh, you know, defense eight, so he's pretty solid at that. And he's got that really smart rule that if you spend a will point within six inches. Anyone who spends a will, might, or fate... Um, oh, sorry. Every time some uh, an opponent spends a might, will, or fate within six inches, I can spend a will point and then roll a dice. On a four plus, that point they spend is immediately doubled. If they don't have the resources to spend it, they cannot do that action. So, for example, Aragorn has Mighty Hero. He spends a, a might point. I spend a will. On a four plus, he has to spend one out of his store really good rule if you uh if you're in the right spot so um i thought that'd be cool cool fun uh really frustrating to play against potentially um but obviously not the best hitter in the game so with that in mind he goes with a troll a cave troll of course with a troll chain and uh, swapping a hand and a half hammer out so he's got uh, the, he's got the big hammer he's using his burliness he's got a troll chain for whippage action and alongside him we've got three dead marsh spectres so so far we've got magical uh, denial of might and uh, just generally denial of stuff with the magic we've got a hitter and we've also got some shenanigans with the dead marshes spectres and of course they benefit from the terror uh, and the harbinger of evil so it's all very nice so far and that's it in the warband yeah i know what you're thinking a there's too many dead marsh spectres there cave trolls are a bit naff and there's no orcs. Let's carry on. Um, Birder, Troll Chieftain. Awesome. He's a great character. We love Birder. He's perhaps a little underused, um, but he, he kicks some ass. I really like him. He provides a bit of a shooting target, so I suppose that's probably why he doesn't often uh, hit the tables. But he's accompanied by a cave troll with a hand and a half hammer. Mm-hmm. He's starting to potentially pick up what I'm getting at here. Uh, he's got three dead marsh spectres with him as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll run through the <laughs> run through the rest because uh, this is this is pretty repetitive after a while. Because next we have a Barrow White with yes, you guessed it, a cave troll with troll chain, hand and half hammer, 
and two Deadmarsh Spectres. You probably didn't guess it. Next, we've got a Barrow White with, you guessed it, three Deadmarsh Spectres. And finally, we have an Angmar Orc Shaman with three Deadmarsh Spectres. So, yeah, it's not... I mean, it's got 22 models. Yeah. Not good at 850 points, let's be honest. It's got sort of reliably... Uh, powerful hitters with cave trolls and there's four of them including the troll chieftain um, Birda. We've got magic come out of the wazoo, the barrow whites, three, uh, two barrow whites the Dwimmer Lake, we've got an Angmar Orc Shaman who has wither, yes, and instill fear so he can knock off a strength characteristic from uh, people and or he can uh, um instill fear so you know make people run away and take up courage checks and stuff um and i've got about as many dead marsh specters as i think anyone has ever had um <laughs> so obviously i can't make people so just just in case you don't know dead marsh specters are the ones that can make you take a courage check if you fail that courage check i get to move you mm-hmm. so that's cool but obviously i can only make that person take that courage check once before I then move on to the next person. So I've got a lot of people. I could potentially move a lot of people every turn, but I can't sort of bring you forward 24 inches and and charge you with all my trolls, although that's part of the plan. I'm going to try and bring people forward, going to mob them uh, and maybe compel them, then, uh, well, spectre them, then uh, then compel them, then charge into them with three trolls, Birda and a Barrow White, and maybe a spectre and then heroic combat and then jump into some more stuff and then kill that that's the that's sort of the vague plan but really i just want to move people's models around because what what could be more fun than coming turning up a tournament and not being allowed to move any of your models right so uh this is clearly designed to be weird uh and strange and i suspect in most armies they'll absolutely destroy me dead my spectres of defense five um or four, five, I think five. Um, so pretty low defense. Uh, you know, if there's any decent bow armies, then that's that. If there's, if there's anyone with fearless or or really high courage, like elves, I'm not going to be able to move them. Uh, it's not going to be that great. Any orc armies I come up against, that could be fun. Trolls that I come up against, even some big heroes or sort of big, you know, sort of the sort of lower courage heroes like I don't know, Shagrat or orc heroes like that or I don't know even Shelob something like that that'd be good fun um, any of those things could just provide a bit of entertainment and obviously Barrow Whites um, just spamming the old paralyze out I, I, I kind of wanted to use them after having had this list vaguely before uh, my list before by the way was a Dwimmer Lake a Shade a Birder a Three Trolls and a Barrow White I want to say I think so so uh, or something similar than that anyway which was weird um but this is this is just something else so i'm really excited about this it's going to be a fun tournament hopefully um lots of people enjoying some jolliness and um yeah i'm really excited about it um i think i I will have to miss out one of the games or maybe even two of the games uh because of work uh, which is a shame but i will return after that so we will get a few games we might not get as many as we would usually get uh, and of course we'll try and squeeze in an interview with the winner of the tournament and also uh, of tournament organizer will champion but first riddles of the dark 
That's right, it's Riddles in the Dark Time, and I honestly can't remember when I introduced the riddle, whether it was in the Articon episode or not. I think I might have mentioned it in the Articon episode, but I think the, the riddle's actually uh, kicked over from the previous one. But I'll be honest, most people are emailing today, not about the Riddle of the Dark, um, but about my podcast name competition. So I, I will um, I'll give you a, a hint at the riddle, which sounds like this. <laughs> So all you have to do is tell me who speaks next and what they say. Uh, and now I'm going to delve into the email inbox, so it may, it may be a while before I reveal the answer to this uh, this riddle from this episode. Who is first? Let us t- start with Tom Murray. He says, Hey Harry, really hoping this isn't too late, but I've discovered your podcast in the last few weeks and thought I'd throw my hat in the ring for the riddle. Ah, yes, okay, we do have a riddle answer. Right, I discovered your podcast recently after getting back into the hobby. Shout out to the Guildford Games Club for dragging me very willingly back in. Shout out to the Guildford Games Club. Uh, I think I've gone through the last 30 podcasts Wow, in the last few weeks. Oh my God, I'm so sorry, Tom. Uh, I think I've gone, uh, sorry, uh, last few weeks, and we're doing an awesome job building our excitement for the first tournament I go to in a few weeks' time. I think the new releases are fantastic, especially Glorfindel, which, um, and it pains me to say, as a diehard dwarf player, has me considering an elven army. And I know, Tom, I'm exactly the same. I've got um, I've got the Glorfindel in the box, but uh, I, it's it's... It's making me feel sick at the idea of, of using Elven Spears and Glorfindel and Fight Five, although I suppose I've done a lot of that with the Easterling, so uh, I've, I've broken the back of that particular um, problem that I, I, I just feel a bit dirty about it. But anyway, uh, yeah, he's, he's a beautiful model. He's a beautiful model. Uh, he continues, I understand some of the disappointment regarding no new plastic warriors, but capital letters, exclamation mark. The aim of this release seems to be getting new players involved, which can only hope, if it's successful, will result in greater investment in the game by GW. Here's hoping. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I, I mean, I won't pretend to... Uh, it, we've got to be selfish to some extent and say, you know what, I don't really want this one. Um, I'm not really that bothered. Or, I, I, you know, I really like the Glorfindel or whatever. Um, whether it means it's going to get more investment in the game by GW, I don't know. Um, I suspect it's limited in some ways by certain factors around staffing and all that sort of stuff. But, um, you know, investment would be good if they could bash out a few more plastic kits. I'm sure we certainly wouldn't complain. I would be very excited by that. Anyway, here's hoping, says Tom. Uh, anyway, the riddle, he says. Good. I, I reminded uh, reminded of this. He says, fantastically themey, given this was the dum-dum-dum episode. And dum-dum-dum. So briefly pinging an arrow. Uh, Faramir features oh so briefly pinging an arrow at the old WK. The next line is none other than Middle Earth's leg day champion, Sam Gamgee. It's me. It's your Sam. Don't you know you're Sam? Yeah, that's my terrible accent. And I've kind of spoiled it straight away. But hey, well done, Tom. You are absolutely correct. Let's carry on with the... We'll hear the clip later, but let's carry on with the, um, with the thing. Let's start with Sam Hoodie again. He says, hey... You were you were missed at the Warhammer World Champion Team Championships. Hope to see you there next year. Um, now this is something I really really would have liked to gone to. And, and actually, strangely, I was sort of going to go to the Warhammer World Team Championships, um, but I did I didn't get to it because well I was invited. I wasn't going to be on on a team, 
Uh, and no disrespect to the guys who uh, invited me, but they booted me off their team. How absolute dare they? Okay, that's not quite what happened. Basically, they said, oh, can you be a reserve on our team? Because uh, we've got a few people coming from Scotland. I'm not sure whether all of them can get the holiday, but if, you, if you're if you willing to step in the breach at the last minute, please let us know. And I was like, yeah. And then, uh, uh, and then I was sort of banking on it happening. Uh, had the weekend booked off. And then um, they said, no, sorry, everyone's got holiday, so you're out. And I, th- I thought I felt very sad. I felt very abandoned. But it's okay because I get to go to the uh, this um, uh, this tournament we're talking about in this episode. So it's all good. Uh, for riddles, I think I actually know this one. Says Sam. Uh, this is Sam Hoodie. He says it's Frodo. It's me, Sam. You're Sam. Uh, yeah, I think you've got the. He says might have gotten a little off, but that's the gist of it. Yes, Sam Hoodie. It is correct. It is Sam. Right, Jack Davenport. Uh, has gotten in touch. Uh, so we're on to now suggestions for the name of the next episode. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast, um, I want your suggestions for the name of the Battle for Unnumbered Tears podcast. Um, I'm I'm going to be going to the tournament. Sadly, at last minute, I, I've discovered that I'm not going to be able to make it on the first day. I will turn up to the tournament um, and I will play three games. So I'm still going to do an episode, uh, just that we might not get quite as much as uh, I'd hoped, sadly. Um, personal instances have uh, have cropped up and just made it impossible so um apologies for uh, truncating next episode but there will be an episode nonetheless and we'll hear from a winner we'll also hear from hopefully ed ball or owen Wright of the tournament organizers guild of battle for unnumbered tears uh and i want your name suggestions so you can win be put in a hat to win an sbg magazine series which includes an article by me um what was I going to say? Uh, yeah, so the the quality of the pun or the name of the episode won't dictate whether you get the prize or not. The prize for that quality is going to have your podcast, uh, the next podcast, named after me, after you, after your thing. Um, you know what I'm getting at. But uh, I will put everyone's name in a hat and you will randomly draw. So we could have two winners. One who wins the name of the episode, uh, which will land in your uh, iPhone or your podcast feed or wherever it is you download your podcasts um and another person who wins the magazines hopefully someone who wins the magazines is in this country so i don't have to post them across the globe anyway jack davenport's been in touch and he says i'd like to call the next episode ruining up that hill it's a nice topical reference i really like it uh ruining of course the sea of rune easterlings like that running up that hill flying high in the charts this summer i'm a big fan of kate bush i'm actually a really big fan of kate bush pre uh the you know latest the, what's the series called that's uh stranger things um i i have the lp because i'm a hipster like that um because somebody gave it me um but yeah good good pun i like that nice one thanks jack george harold has been in touch he has got two suggestions he hopes that's allowed You'll get one name in the hat, though, George, because you've only got one name, I'm afraid. Uh, but either way, you've got two suggestions. He got, he's got from Leasterlings to Beasterlings. That's good. I like that. Or Easter Rings of Power. Hmm. Yeah. I actually really like. I, I, I like both of them actually. I like. I think I like from Easterlings to Beasterlings better than Ring the Easter Rings of Power, just because that feels like it's telling the tale. You know, the the tale being me trying to make Easterlings great again. Um, so great, George, thank you very much your name will go in the hat and we'll reveal it all uh, next episode um, Tom Wainwright's in touch he says, hey Harry, congrats on your next uh, sorry, a recent Ardicon victories could the next episode be called Me, Myself and the Dragon Emperor Making Easterlings Great Again 
a journey to Articon. This sounds like like the Lord of the like. It's got so many titles that that it's almost at a it's maybe it's like me myself and Irene. It's I, I love it. It's got topical references. We've got make it great again. I literally said making Easterlings great again. A journey to Articon. It's good. Uh, I like you say at the end of that. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to apologise. Uh, it's a good, it's a good, strong suggestion, and it gets you in the hat for the thingy. So, um, podcast at gmail dot com is where you're sending your suggestions into everyone. Uh, Sam Hoodie's back in touch. He says, "How about the Battle of Unnumbered Jeers?" Yeah, think that'll do for thirties of thought. Thirties of thought. Hmm. Maybe I'm uh, missing something there. Uh, but anyway, Sam, thanks very much for getting in touch. Battle for unnumbered years. Yes, there will be unnumbered years, especially if I am taking part. Uh, very good, very good. Mark Kittle has gotten in touch as well. Uh, I'd like you to call the next episode, Can Easterlings, brackets, maybe Numenor, depending on what you choose, delete as appropriate, be a top tiers army? Very good. I like this. Mark says, obviously it relies on it being about the Battle of Unnumbered Tears. Doesn't feel great and a bit long, but I forget, figured I'd have a go. Keep up the good work, Mark. You're in the hat. Uh, can, I think, so it, in this instance, it'll be, can Eastlings be a top tiers army? Because I'll be taking Eastlings next time. It's cool. I like it. I do. It's going in the hat. It's going in the hat. Love it, love it. Uh, keep your suggestions coming in. Entmootpodcast.gmail.com if you've got one. Uh, Nathan Talbot's in touch. He's regularly uh, in touch with the podcast. He says it's going to be a. It's going to be Harry puts all his Easterling eggs in one basket. That's good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good solid effort. He says I'm already a proud owner of the SBG magazine, so no need to put my name in the draw unless you want me to pick someone random if I win. Uh, uh, fair enough. Yep, that's nice of you, uh, Nathan. Thanks for the suggestions. Thank, thanks for getting in touch. And if you do win. Well, actually, I just won't put you in the hat, because you don't want them. Okay, brilliant. Riddle in the Dark had me lost, but then I think I heard a golem scream. And as you were Kirith Ungling recently, I'm pretty sure the next words are golem begging for mercy. I can't recall the specific quote, and haven't got the time to check exactly because my Lord of the Imps army needs significant work. Looking forward to some Ent draft. Yes, this was sent just before um, my own Lord of the Imps tournament, which uh, I may talk about at some point. Uh, probably not actually uh it was a very busy and exciting weekend but nonetheless uh, a great one i should I, I i want to do a podcast about it again but um i'll touch on it at some point i'll touch on it at some point uh but i really appreciate um your message and coming along and easterling puts all his easterling eggs sorry harry puts all his easterling eggs in one basket is a solid solid effort I don't think he's going to win this one, Nathan, because we've had some really good ones so far. Right, uh, Andrew, Andrew D, Andrew D gets in touch. Long-time listener, first-time emailer. See, these people call out the woodwork when they're prizes, don't they? Uh, right, Andrew, thanks for getting in touch, though. The music is definitely the iconic scene. Oh, no, see, you're not... Oh, this is... I do apologise. Andrew D. Giorgio uh, has gotten in touch, not about winning a uh, prize, but about the... the um, uh, the Riddle of the Dark. He says, the music definitely the iconic scene when Gandalf crests the hill and says to Pippin, Minas Tirith, City of Kings. I'm going to see this one did seem a tad easy, but after saying that, I'll be. it'll be really embarrassing if I get it wrong. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. It is really embarrassing for you, isn't it? Because I actually, unless you're referring to an episode and you're way behind on episodes, um, I did use that clip not that long ago. So... Maybe you're listening to an old le- old episode, which in which case I'll let you get away with your embarrassment because it's definitely not that scene. Um, 
I used that in connection to the tournament City of Kings, which is a good one. I thought that was quite clever. David Leonard is in touch. Hi, Harry. Long-time messenger, but first-time emailer. Oh, yes, that's right. You, you, David, you usually get in touch via sort of Facebook name. Just thought I'd join in, in the contest to name an upcoming episode. I have a feeling David is from Australia, so let's hope you don't win. <laughs> I'll put you in nonetheless, David, don't worry. All right, uh, there, 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 where are you? Just thought I'd get in touch with the contest. If you are going to the Battle of Unnumbered Tears, then the obvious title would be Entmoot, semicolon. The Battle of Unnumbered Victories, though you would need to provide an unspecified number of victories to make this work. Yeah, you know what? That's a good point. What I could do is turn up to the tournament, speak to all the players, talk through the games and not reveal how I win or if I win or if I lose that could work although it might slightly defeat the point of podcast but thank you so much David for a good idea oh um, hold on there's another one it says in if you are going to take a Numenorian, ar- Numenorian army you could go with Entmoot New Men or Ian's Warriors New Men or Ian's yeah yeah I I need- <laughs> Though this one requires you to know someone called Ian who has an alternative army list idea. Or maybe you could name a captain of Numenor Ian. Yeah, just to, this is one of those ones that, that probably works better when written down. Um, it's the word new men or Ian's warriors. New men or Ian's... New, more, new men or... I think you get it, but it's good. I like it. It requires lots of effort to, to read out. Um, which isn't great for radio, but uh, or podcast for that matter. But I really like it. I think it's I think it's up there, up there. Right. Let's carry on. Um, sorry, I've just uh, closed yours and opened it again. Right. Okay. Let's have another one. We've got a fight. I think this is the final uh, guess for this episode. New podcast name: Gleaming Horde have prevailed. Keep up the podcast, Dakota Snyder. The Gleaming Horde have prevailed. You know what? I like that because it's short and to the point, and it basically says. I'm a winner now. And it's being confident. Although it might actually just end up saying something along the lines of it being a lie, because they, they probably won't prevail. Anyway, Dakota, thank you so much. You're in for the draw. If you have a suggestion for the next uh, podcast, which shall be about the battle for unnumbered tears, and will also include um, a Easterling army, think of a pun, think of an amusing title, or don't. I don't have to... Uh, if, if you don't want it read out, just say that. Maybe you're embarrassed. Um, I'll just put your name in the hat. Um, whack it in, and you could be the winner of an SBG magazine. Lovely. Right, okay, uh, let's carry on just briefly with the Riddle in the Dark clip, which sounds a little bit something like this. And of course, the answer was, as many have pointed out, this. It's me. It's your Sam. Well done to those who got it. I, I thought more people would get it right. I'm, I, I, I thought more people would have got in touch about this one because I thought it was quite an easy one. It was a good link. Maybe it was just too easy that people were like, not getting in touch with this one. Pff, too easy. Not, not worth my time. Uh, either way, let's crack on with 
another riddle in the dark and this will be re- the answer to this will be revealed in the battle for Num- unnumbered tears episode Okay, who speaks next and what do they say? Entmootpodcast.gmail.com Get in touch now. Let's have another listen. That's right, that's a clip from the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies and you've got to tell me who speaks next and what they say. Let's listen one more time. Podcast at gmail.com and I was just thinking when do I start including Rings of Power clips in this or is that going to divide my listeners uh, controversially uh, let me know if you have any uh, thoughts on that um, I suppose most people will not have any clue about that sort of stuff because we haven't had time to watch it more than once yet and some people perhaps won't be watching it more than once at all uh, Podcast at gmail.com if you have your suggestions or your ideas for The Riddle in the Dark right Let's crack on to the tournament. We're heading to a fluffy, themey, not quite themey, spectre-filled tournament in Nottingham, and I can't wait. Let's head to the tables. Here, Mr. Robo, where are you off to? I can't stop. I'm already late. Late for what? I'm going on an adventure. So, game one of the Rings of Men, and uh, we're playing a weird scenario, which is called Rescue the Ring Bearer, and it's it's a bit like Seize the Prize, although not exactly. Essentially, we both sides have a hostage from the other side, and you're aiming to get to that hostage and free it, uh, which gets you some points, uh, and then uh, take your own hostage off the enemy board edge. So, uh, it's, it's a little bit like Seize the Prize in the sense that you've got to get something and get it off the board edge, but it's also... Got a bit of to and fro in the sense that you've got, uh, uh, you know, you've got a chance to get your own hostage off the board edge without it all being down to who gets into the middle first. So, uh, I'm playing against Jack Render and Jack, you've got, uh, well, I suppose it, everyone here has got a New Armies, I think, because it's a weird list, but what, what uh, a weird tournament, sorry. But what have you got here with you today? So I've got uh, a cave drake, two dragons, and that's it. So the dra- what the leader dragon has um, tough hide and fly. Whereas the other dragons got fly and breathe fire, right? So yes, yeah, so you got all the beasties of Moria and, and with a bit of variety as well. Uh, when you saw my army, and um, what did you think? I mean, it's it's a bit unconventional. Yeah, it's a weird army, but unfortunately, I saw a lot of things that are target courage, and that's one thing dragons and this army lacks is a high courage. Mm. So I was a bit scared, and especially with all the magic, and it did turn out that that was my downfall. All the magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's just so many things, and also the fact that spectres. A very high courage. I, I kind of not really considered that, but courage six—that's pretty decent. Yeah, I was surprised about them being courage six, but they were—they did fail quite a few courage checks, a surprising amount. But yeah, and then you're ruining me on fours. Yeah. So that tough high being defense nine makes no difference. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so there were a lot of things going against you in this, and, and essentially it panned out uh, as you described. You know, I, I 
we got close enough to do some things. Uh, you, uh, I did some magic in the first turn, trying to compel the the dragon um, with the breathe fire, and and you had to resist stuff so that he, he uh, in case he got pulled into um, and surrounded by Birda and everyone. And so you'd spent already two will by the time you got into combat. So you only got a chance to breathe fire once, and you did do some damage with it, but nowhere near as much as you could have done because I wasn't expecting the splash damage effect because it, it it hits its what strength seven or strength ten. It's a strength ten splash. The issue was, I hit it fine, then I roll ones and twos. Whereas, like you know, I get that one free, I kill a cave troll. Yeah. I just whiffed it. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was pretty disastrous, really, because you could have killed uh, Birder, the cave troll, and the Dwimmer Lake with that uh, one breathe fire, couldn't you? Uh, but yeah, just sadly the, the the dice rolls just didn't didn't help you there. Birder managed to scrape through on his fate point, um, but. Uh, th- that was it. That was the only damage he did, other than killing a spectre. So I, I got off pretty easy on that one. And because you have only three models and I have 22, it's not a lot for 850 points, but still, I could just send enough guys to each side. I could pa- I paralyze your cave Drake and sent sent all the spectres in on one side, and then the other side it was all the trolls and the spectres trying to deal with two cave uh, <coughs> two dragon dragons. Um, but luckily, I'd managed to get a couple of uh, fell light within them to send one dragon away and focus on one at a time. So it was just divide and conquer for me, wasn't it? Yeah, just divide and conquer. Like say, the um, German light giving the minus one courage to make dragon's base courage free. It's just very difficult because average dice I do pass, but it's not. It's a huge difference between courage four and courage three. Yeah, and and of course, you, then you're spending resources that say you know if you don't want to be um, running away and flying away. Um, uh, every turn you maybe spend a will or a might and then uh, quickly your might and will starts being depleted before the Barrowites come in with their, their two, uh, one dice and um, paralyzes and take out the dragon, uh, take out the cave drake and then slowly it's just me chipping away. So um, the, the, the hostages did come into play a little bit but in the end um, because I managed to wipe out your force um, uh, Will, uh, the uh, tournament organiser, said, said essentially eventually you would get the hostage off the board so it ended up being a 12-0 victory because you didn't, uh, you, you killed Birda in a flash kill with a heroic combat, uh, but the Dwimmer Lake remained unscathed. Yeah, I, every time I got close to the Dwimmer Lake, I got paralysed. Yeah. So it was just I couldn't get that final combat against him that I wanted. Yeah, I, I, I hope it wasn't too unpleasant because I've always said Angmar is a, is a pretty rough um, army to face up against. But I, I hope that the fact that it's a bit, bit of an unconventional army makes it a little less uh, you know, annoying than, say, facing two Barrowites, Gulavar, and a Witch King. No, it was a lot more enjoyable. I enjoyed the entire game. The thing, like, for me, what makes Angmar um, not for the play against the Shade, mm. but no Shade, so I don't really mind it. Yeah. To me, that's just the only unfun, pleasant experience in Angmar is the Shade. Yeah. I don't mind Barrowites. I like Paralyze. I think it's a really fun spell. So, casting a 5 plus? 4 plus. 4 plus. Even so, a normal army can help people get up, so it's not as bad as it can be. So, this army, yeah, it's hard because I can't help, but. It was very fun. Yeah, and, and to be fair, with this sort of army, if you're bringing three dragons, you're expecting either to win hard or lose hard. Exactly. You either win the combats, do a lot of damage, or you just die. It's, there's no real in-between. Exactly. And, and this is a, a really cool tournament. There's lots of, uh, lots of theme and lots of um, different scenarios and stuff. So, I mean, I know you've come to Rings of Men before, but it, it is one of the better um, ones in the Canada, I must say. Oh, yeah, it is. Just be able to take fun layers, have fun, just... Drink and be merry, really. That's all you need to be. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for the game, uh, Jack. A 12-0 uh, win to me, but it didn't feel as one-sided as it sounds. 
No, it was close. There was a lot of squeaky, squeaky times. Yeah, a couple of dinosaurs here or there would have killed the Dwimmer Lake, or, or you know, someone else, and would have swung the result quite significantly. So uh, either way, well done, Jack, and best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Yeah, best luck for you. Game number two at the Rings of Men, uh, playing Matt Wielding, who I think we've spoken to him a few times on the podcast before. We've certainly played a couple of times. And uh, we're both on the top table here. 12 nil wins at the start of the, uh, of the, the round, um, which was, I think, probably a, a surprise to both of us, uh, considering our army list. Uh, give us an idea of what your army is uh, for the Rings of Men. Sure, so my uh, army is themed around the road to Rivendell. So I've got uh, the four hobbits, uh, then I have uh, Gildor and some Noldorian exiles, as the, the first people they meet. Uh, then um, I've got Farmer Maggot and his dogs, Grip, Fang and Wolf. Then um, we've got uh, Tom Bombadil. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Bombadil, who's a very good uh, anti um, Barrow White and such. And then um, I've also got Aragorn, uh, Weathertop Aragorn, and uh, Glorfindel. Yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I noticed you didn't go with uh, Fatty Bulger because, uh, you know, that would have been the traditional book format. But, but clearly you've gone for the filthy uh, version of that. No, not really, because uh, it's a very, very thematic army and, and it's really super duper cool. Um, we're playing Divide and Conquer or a slight variant of it, which I don't think we actually ended up playing in the end. Anyway, uh, the, the objectives move a bit um, in the, uh, the, the variant. Um, yeah, we forgot about that. So we decided not to do it in the end. But so this is the one where you, you start with half of your army sort of divided up into quarters uh, and you're aiming to fight over three objectives on a line in the middle did you have a particular game plan looking into this because I got the sense that you were a little bit apprehensive about the, the sh potential shenanigans well, yeah um, also I didn't really know what I was doing other than <laughs> I, I thought well Aragorn with all the hobbits he's gonna have to heroic march because they're so slow um, and then I had you know, killed the exiles on the other side with uh, Tom Bombadil so they could get a couple of maybe cheeky marches. But other than that, I had no idea what I was doing. I think I ended up committing to sort of one of the um, halves of your army while the other one half came behind me. And you did some uh, cheeky stuff that almost, almost won it for you there with Aragorn. I did. I, 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 I thought I had had it kind of, uh, in, not in the bag, but I thought I had a really good chance of killing Aragorn um, fairly early on. But, um, I mean, I'll set up the stall. There's the, the, the Spectres did very little in this game. Like the last game, they were absolute killers because, you know, the, the dragons were uh, such low courage. But here, absolutely everything in your army, even the Hobbits, are pretty high courage. I mean, even Merriam Pippin are courage four down to three uh, with the Dwimelet kicking about. But most things are courage five. Uh, even the dogs are courage five. Uh, I mean, Bill, I tried to get him out a couple of times. Even he was passing his courage. So it, 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 it was a much different army to face. So I couldn't do as many of my amusing shenanigans. Um, and, and there's also a plethora of uh, heroes here for me to target with the spells. But crucially, you had Bombadil, which, which may, meant any of my offensive magic could potentially be erased quite quickly. So, yeah. so it, quite early on, I mean, I did, did the, the spectres and tried to pull people in and pull, uh, do all this sort of stuff. Didn't quite work, but I did get a chance to compel Aragorn in um, once I'd lined up, which I was actually quite proud of this move because I'd lined him up. So the, the Dwimmer Lake was uh, six inches away from Aragorn. Uh, the Barrowite was six inches away from Aragorn and the Shaman was six inches away from Aragorn and two trolls were in front of the Shaman. So I got a, I got the heroic move and I don't think you decided, you uh, call, uh, called the move off because you were concerned about spending too much point, uh, might with the Dwimmer Lake, which is fair enough. Um, but uh, essentially I did the move, um, compelled him in and using the, uh, the Dwimmer Lake special ability, 
spent the extra will to roll a four plus, which I did get, to force you to spend more magic. Uh, and at that point, you'd already taken a couple of uh, withers and things like that. So, so you, you'd spent all of your will. So it just meant you you had an unresistible compel into two trolls, um, which could have spelled doom. But someone came on the horizon. Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, he maybe he was able to um, refreshing song Aragorn. Uh, giving him some will, a might, and, um, and most importantly, saving him from uh, the immobilize. Yeah. So he was able to strike up, I believe, and um, yeah, get yeah. the six. Yeah, so I was hoping uh, that you know they, I might be able to get the draw with two trolls, Aragorn uh, on his own. I might might be able to just about wink it through and, and smash him in one turn, which was, was a distinct possibility. But after that, um, there was a... It felt to me like I was probably on on a losing foot because I think uh, the troll died in that turn against Aragorn and uh, the other flank was losing as well. Birda and the uh, the third troll were in a sort of losing battle against Glorfindel. But we d- I did pull off a pretty cool move. You did a heroic move, uh, heroic combat with Glorfindel into one of the cave trolls and didn't see something coming. No, no, I didn't. Um, yeah, you did a, a, oh, an interesting little air tactic, throwing one of my dogs into your own cave troll yeah. to knock down the combat, which doesn't hurt your cave troll, but sends that Asphalaf running away and... yeah. And it's certainly, on his horse. Yeah, um, it certainly neutered Glorfindel as well because um, yeah, a he it lost his movement. Uh, it actually uh, I got a lucky wound off on him, and it gave um, the troll a free chance essentially to try and gl- kill Glorfindel. He didn't win the combat, but it was Lord it, of the West. Yeah, Lord of the West. You Lord of the Wested into that six, didn't you? Um, but it, it was it gave me another chance, I think, which was interesting. But um, ultimately, um, from from those two. Uh, things that I think I did well um, the rest of the stuff wasn't going well for me the spectres uh, were defence five um, and you know kind of going down relatively easy to the slightly more Nolder and Exiles with their higher fight and, and crucially because uh, you've got such high courage the if they did win a fight they weren't often killing yeah. so it, it was quite tricky that um, and slowly you're whittling down my numbers until it became uh, you know I had no shenanigans and um, and also very few models, and the trolls started going down one by one uh, once you got everyone uh, trapping them and things like that. Um, it did end up, um, I, I think, being quite quite a fun game in the in the centre. Lots of lots of exciting fights and duels with big monsters and uh, and the potential for magic. But I think you, you just sliced and diced through the heroes slowly and, and and actually spent your resources really quite uh, sensibly. And then eventually uh, the Bombadil got to have a go at the Dwimmerlake. He did indeed, and uh, he went for a cheeky single dice banish because I was afraid if I went for two, um, I would end up spending four, which would uh, which would not be great. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, because I could I could spend uh, my will to make you spend yours. In fact, I didn't actually consider spending your will to uh, do it again. But uh, at that point, I was uh, you got a you got a one dice banish and you got the six. Got the six. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this left me in a, a pretty tricky situation. I think at this point I probably had nine uh, or thereabouts will. Uh, I spent four will to resist I thought mm, that's good I've still got two fates so I wanted to still have something left in, in the game to do uh, at least be the uh, uh, the minus one courage but alas the, I didn't get the six of the four uh, dice and nor did I uh, pass the fate so the Dwimmerlake went down negating my ability to take away your might uh, and to, to cut minus one courage so from and of course he's my leader as well so from there it really did feel like it, I, I felt like I'd already lost at that point even though maybe I had some chances but it wasn't it just wasn't quite there at the end. 
Yeah, that was tough because, I mean, as soon as the Dwimelec was gone, every, every time you won priority, I could I could uh, just heroic move without the fear of it not going off because I don't have enough might or having to spend two on someone I don't want to. So, yeah. It, it's a tricky one. It's a tricky one, but there you go. And that ended up being a 7-0 uh, loss uh, to me. So from, from dizzying heights back to where I belong uh, halfway through the, uh, the, uh, the tournament in mid-table obscurity. But uh, Matt, uh, congratulations on the game. Very themey list. And, uh, you know, hey, you'll stay on table, table one. It would be wonderful if you win the tournament with something as thematic as this. So well done for the game uh, and good luck at the rest of the tournament. Thank you. Uh, and you too. Thank I'll, you. I'll try my best, but <laughs> a bit scared going into the next one. <laughs> oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. Good luck. Game number three here at Rings of Men, and it's a game of retrieval, which is the one where you kind of divide up the board by its diagonal, and then there's a little bit of a dead zone in the middle, and there's a, a capture the flag kind of objective on each side. Playing against Ryan Gregory. Um, who, I, am I right in thinking you were the were you the runner-up or the winner in the end last year of the best newcomer in the Great British Hobbit League? Runner-up. Runner-up, uh, runner but you were very, very close to uh, being the best newcomer. Uh, and you've brought a different army to what you were using last year. Last year it was all about the Rohan. What have you brought to uh, Rings of Men this weekend? Uh, yes, so I've got um, Azog's Legion with a Green Alliance with Azog's Hunters. So I've got uh, Azog with Heavy Armour uh, and White Warg. I've got Bolg on a Warg. Uh, Narzog on a warg, and then I've got a, uh, a Gundabad Tetanus Troll. Tetanus Troll, yeah. Yeah, this is the one that's uh, he's got scythes, you've done kind of rusty things, and they've given you an extra special rule. And you've got a bat and uh, mostly Hunter Orcs and a couple of uh, a banner and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just um, Hunter Orcs mainly because I was because I've spent so much on my heroes and my troll. Um, if I would take Gundabads, I really did struggle with numbers. Uh, Hunter Orcs are quite cheap for the points. Uh, eight points without a bow and the strength four, and they just they just mince through stuff. Yeah, two attacks. It's it's pretty nasty. And you came up against my weird Angmar list. Um, what did you think of it when you uh, saw it across the table? Did you fancy your chances? Uh, definitely not. I thought it was vile. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was nice, but actually this is a really hard counter for you. Yeah, it is. So when I, when I was writing the list, because the numbers were so low. Um, I didn't put a, a horde in, and I just hoped I didn't come across anyone with terror or any magic or anything like that. Um, and if I had given my list to somebody and they wrote a perfect counter, I think yours would have been hit, Harry. Yeah, um, it would have been pretty close, wouldn't it? Yeah, because everything in my army is terrorising, and, and I can move your guys around. It's yeah. just pretty pretty mean. Yeah, so all my troops are Courage 2 base, so when I got into the range of Harbinger, it was uh, Courage 1, needing a 9 from 2 dice to pass, so... I think, what, 20% past, if that, yeah. um, which just basically gave you all of the um, facility to choose who you wanted to fight early on. Uh, it went until I got really close with my heroes and I could start picking the key he um, spectres off and I started taking the numbers down that I really noticed that people started to get in more. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but once I, I kind of scattered the lines, and this is what I'd hoped th to do in this this army. I I, th I thought it might be a fun idea to have like the, everyone just scattering about, but I can see that, especially with hunter orcs, that it, it just became a little bit um, unpleasant early on. But it, it didn't last that way uh, throughout the whole game. As you mentioned, the big heroes got in, and um, I think the magic obviously was was quite oppressive as well. I mean, I, I paralysed Azog probably in the second, second or turn. turn. Yeah. yeah, and this was the after a turn of sort of sending hunter orcs to trap him in, uh, and all that sort of stuff so uh, but it was it, the magic was quite oppressive as well lots of that uh, yeah definitely so um, I knew it was going to come eventually I just didn't know my resist rolls were going to be so poor so when Azog charged into two spectres to try and drop the numbers down um, got paralysed rolled a one and a two on his resist mm. yeah and I think I'd, I'd only rolled a one dice paralysed <laughs> and I got a five or something like that so which is always a tricky 
thing to do because I know that I've got four dice in reserve to do it again next yeah. turn. So it's always a trick for you to then go, oh, what do I spend on this? Oh, yeah. Um, so the, the courage side from the spectres isn't something the heroes need to worry about, but the, the paralyzers were absolutely awful. So on second turn onwards, Azogro on his, on his bum, uh, so was the White Warg, and the, I don't think the White Warg actually stood up till the second to last turn because mm. uh, he was just paralysed all the time. Azog luckily stood up the following turn yeah. and could get in and kill stuff. Yeah, that was uh, yeah. Because I think the, he had one turn against a couple of spectres. I don't don't think I did wound him in the end. Or uh, no, no, no I, I tried. I, I I got some charges into him, but uh, no success really in the end. Um, I, I had intended to barge into him, but he, the the troll wouldn't fit through a gap. Uh, so uh, it was a very a fraction of a millimetre one way, uh, and he might have the troll might have had a pop at Azog as well, which could have been could have been nasty. But and and then of course on the other flank, because we we set up most of this was between two sort of uh, brie-like buildings. Uh, that was Azog's flank. Uh, which had uh, most of my Dwimmer Lake and things like that uh, and his friends and then on the other side it was Birder and his troll friends um, and uh, facing up against Bolg and um, I'd kind of um, so I think I'd spected him forward or compelled him forward or something like that. Compelled him forward, yes. Yeah, so I compelled him forward um, and then essentially uh, threw as much as I could into him. And I, Berda was was just out of range of him initially, but I, I thought I, I did what I thought was quite a good move. I, I did a, a heroic strike and mo uh, combat off with the shaman who'd uh, called the combat and Berda who'd struck uh, and and they they bounced off uh, one hunter or something like that, uh, which I had to spend an extra point of might to kill with Berda, which was or win. The combat with Berda which was annoying uh, and then charged into to Bolg and and, and very annoyingly you, uh, I, I managed to not win that combat despite Bolg being immobilised and uh, out of might and everything like that which uh, is yeah yeah definitely so yeah I think you had 12 dice Harry and mm. rolled a 5 high yeah uh, I had no might yeah I had 3 dice and rolled a 6 yeah um, so just very unlucky no might in the fight because you because you bounced the hunter up yeah if you wouldn't have done that you'd have one extra mark to go to a 6 and kill me uh, but yeah Bolg I had no right surviving that long in that yeah. game um, it were paralysed par and transfixed more or less every turn yeah. um, well, and, and trapped every fight as well yeah exactly but somehow he's chopped his way through stuff I mean he did uh, he did eventually kill uh, stuff but um, the, w I realised at one point did, does he cause terror and you were like oh yeah he does because we, we, we'd forgotten about his special rule where he kills enough bud, uh, bodies to, to do that and because he'd survived so long he'd managed to kill about four or five guys and get the, uh, the, the terror which meant that another turn that I, I thought I had a good advantage of getting him with Birda and, uh, uh, and the troll they both failed uh, the two spectres and that was while he was paralysed as well so, <laughs> so yeah it just felt like I, I probably dedicated far too much time trying to kill Bolg and Azog uh, and, and never managed to really break through to, the, uh, to get to the retreat so meanwhile I, I was doing all this uh, you were playing it very cannily and yes I, I, early on it was it was probably my my game to lose but towards the uh, the second half it, it showed that you'd been focusing on the objective and I hadn't uh, yeah so as soon as I realized you ran out of might and all your might was actually on the other side of the table even before that uh, I just knew when I lost priority that back could then move um, and because I had the mark and you didn't the next turn, I could guarantee a heroic move to tag everybody. Mm. So it, it just ensured that back could fly over your rank, then next turn get the objective, and then from there there was just nobody in your army that could yeah. could stop um, the back. Because anyway, I had three more might on the white warg, two on Narzog and one on Azog that could call moves and tag everybody if needed. Yeah, and that was the thing. It was it was you, you dominated the the might game, and and that gave you the advantage in terms of just just stopping the spectres from getting a chance to fell light the back, back or, or something like that. Uh, so in the end, um, despite the, the kind of uh, oppressive 
start to the game and moving the hunter orcs around and uh, trapping uh, your heroes with their, their own uh, their own troops it, it actually ended up being a 12-0 victory to you because uh, I didn't touch Azog despite him having been paralysed uh, early on in the game uh, I didn't break you I think I was what three four models off uh, something three, like three off I believe yeah three off uh, three off in the end uh, but once once Bolg and uh, um, Azog actually got moving and and actually really the hunter orcs were doing most of the work killing these spectres it just slowly ended up being a, a, a win to, to you guys Dwimalake dropped down after Azog and things like that so it ended up being a bit of a disaster for uh, for the old uh, Angmar force because we've only got the um, the one Barrow White left uh, on the final turn which uh, ended the game so 12-0 Brian um, congratulations excellently well played and you put up with what I would say was a very frustrating army to play <laughs> against um, uh, especially with your courage and you, you, you dealt with it like a gentleman so Thanks very much for the game. All right, cheers, Harry. Game number four of the Rings of Men, and we're playing Heirlooms of Ages Past. Uh, although uh, this Heirlooms has an extra uh, Heirloom involved because it's the Dwarven Rings we're trying to capture, and it also means the Heirlooms are slightly heavier. And playing uh, podcast regular Tom Wag in this. And um, Tom, first of all, uh, give us a rundown of your army list because we're trying to go themey, but you brought something pretty decent. Yeah, I've done like Defenders of like the Deep in War movie version, so the three hunters plus Haldir, an elf captain, and then two full warbands of Lothlorien, because I just used what I had painted. There's a few guards of the Glaffrin Court, but there could have been a few of them there. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't see them in the movie, but I'll, t I'll accept it either way. It's a nice theme. It's a nice theme. Um, so with with this game, it's an unusual one. Obviously, there's, first of all, there's Maelstrom of Battle, uh, so we, we don't know where any of my warbands are going to end up, because I've not got hardly any might uh, in the army so that's that could be a bit of a lottery uh, and of course there's a lot of objective and you've got a lot more models than me and um, what what did you think going into the game how, how did you think it would go well originally i re misread what scenario we were playing so i was like i thought it was a seize one but yeah it's interesting um you obviously you've got a lot of warbands so you could spread out and get the objective on a troll quite easily because there's four trolls around um yeah and that would have been yeah a lucky six could have really changed the game yeah yeah um but because they're all small warbands if they don't if there's not a lot together i could just hit a portion which i managed did manage to do but yeah exactly i won the priority first turn so my warbands were pretty spread out I had two uh, in this sort of uh, one corner pretty much and then uh, three in the other corner uh, essentially so i i it meant that you could pounce on, I think it was the Shaman and uh, one of the Barrow Whites uh, quite early on with m all of your elves. Your, your three hunters didn't arrive in the first turn, but at that point it didn't really matter. You just sort of ganged up on those guys and, and started chipping away. Although, having said that, the Shaman and the Barrow White ended up surviving right till the end. Yeah, pretty much. Um, you even got an elf in the first round of combat yeah. um, and how they failed to charge, charge anything one turn. So they held up for longer than they initially thought yeah I mean it's worth saying there was a troll in there so you know they, they did kill a few guys I think the troll killed three in his first round of combat because Haldir had failed to charge uh, and then from there it was it was you know mopping up but I, of course this is all about objectives and my rest of my flank which was the two trolls Bird, uh, the Dwimmer Lake and a load of spectres and the Barrow White all came hitting objective by objective and hoping and praying for that six but never got it and um, so it ended up being one of those uh, heirlooms which occasionally happens where both of us leave an objective uh, untouched for, for the entirety of the game. And I suppose then it comes down to how effective my magic is or, and how effective your troops are uh, at sort of walling off the magic, magical guys like the Barrow White. And, and I guess you having a lot of might helps you dictate a lot of the force. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Although Aragorn's might just got blown by the Dwimmer Lake, so that was fun. Um, yeah, I did. I spent, I think it was uh, four will, uh, oh no, three will on a transfix, um, and then um, four will to essentially force you to spend loads of extra will to, to resist it, which failed. And all his might. And all his might, yeah. Yeah, um, and then he just was rubbish for it. <laughs> he wouldn't only fight anyone went into him, but he didn't charge for a turn, and then he stood there. Probably should have been wounded. Yeah, I mean, I, I I pulled off what I thought was a decent move, and it's actually reminiscent of the move that I I, I did in yesterday's game against Bolg, um, where I'd, I'd set up all the heroic combats in the right place, and I'd had three trolls that were going to charge into loads of different things, including Birder, uh, and Aragorn had been transfixed, so he couldn't strike up, and all this sort of stuff. And yet again, I, I, I managed to... Uh, run into him and he was uh, you know he managed to roll a six and Birdo whiffed it I think the lack of um, the lack of a banner in, in for Birdo and this Angmar force is really uh, really a pain in the ass. yeah because the only banner is him and he has to kill a hero is it just a hero yeah it's yeah. a hero or a monster um, and it only lasts one turn as well so it's very unlikely to help Birdo himself well it's not going to help Birdo himself but but yeah I think think despite the fact that I, I felt a bit unlucky that I'd not killed Aragorn in the two turns that he was transfixed and, I, and he had a troll in on him and I barged in on him and all that sort of stuff um, really he, he he didn't do much other than just win combats but I suppose the, the point was that it was my energy was focused on him so then the trolls weren't chopping through elves and maybe I might have had a chance to break you if I'd have fought differently and just transfixed Aragorn and charged trolls in do you think that would have been a better better option to just charge guys into uh, trolls into the elves yeah, maybe. The two trolls did kill quite... The actual two normal trolls did actually end up going in and killing quite a few elves. Um, mm. Birder rolled terribly anyway, so I don't think it made a difference if he went into... Because even when he went into elves, he just lost anyway. And when Aragorn had one pike, the pike just poked him and did a wound. So <laughs> yeah, like... poked him in the eye. Yeah, it was very annoying. It was like chipping away slowly throughout the game. Um, but it all ended up... But Gimli and Legolas were a, a bit of a, a non-entity in this game. I mean, uh, Gimli didn't get into combat more than once I think he had one shot with a spectre in the end uh, Legolas killed the Dwemer horse and then nothing else with his bow shots pretty much the entire game no, he killed the Dwemer Lake at the end oh he did in he, combat yeah, yeah he did yeah fine but that was in the very very final throws of the game yeah. and at this point uh, it was it was you know Gimli had achieved the objective he had two points of might on him you know he's one of the highest defence guys and high courage so it was very unlikely that I was ever going to get the objective off you at that point no, and Gimli really wants that dwarven ring because he's a dwarf <laughs> absolutely I mean was there anything you think that I could have done slightly differently to to benefit I mean obviously it's an unusual list and, and therefore uh, you know a bit, bit weird and reliant on you failing a lot of courage checks but was there anything that I could have done differently do you think um not, uh, there's, there's probably something somewhere. I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Dwimelate maybe went a bit too close, but then he need, his village is only six inches now, so yeah. he kind of has to. Um, uh, no, I, I can't really think of anything, like... I think, yeah, I think there were a couple of maybe choices that I could have, rather than barging with trolls, uh, I could have just killed stuff instead of trying to go for the optimal one. I often find that that's the case. Like if I've got a troll against, say, two, uh, one model, I roll, roll my three dice and I win the combat, and then I'm tempted to barge into two models, um, which obviously decreases my chances of winning, which uh, feels like a mistake sometimes, and maybe I should just go for the uh, the safe kill. I mean, you kind of, the trolls need to be killing stuff mm. to... Yeah, ideally more than one or two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's like a 50-50 flip off at that point. Um, yeah. I guess you could have you could have really gone for that, dig up the the last objective and hope you got the six is like the only thing, but 
that's the riskiest thing ever. Yeah, I, I did think about that excuse. I'd cast a look around the objective and, and I thought, well, if I get a roll of a six, I'd be very very lucky and I could potentially just run a spectre so far away that it wouldn't uh, you know it wouldn't help but I, I thought that would be a cheesy way to win if it was I was hoping to, to be able to win in some other way or at least get a wound on a banner or a, a, or a Aragorn but alas it wasn't to be and it ended up being quite a disastrous uh, loss for the Angmar Troll uh, and Spectre contingent a 12-0 win to Tom uh, which means I, I don't know what your record is this tournament how, how are you doing so far I mean we're both on table nine so it can't be doing that well it puts me on two and two yeah. <laughs> played against some I played a mirror matchup game one and it was 4-3 loss like and then I played against Sauron and all my luck just went rubbish against Sauron and then you can't break the army and I lost that game because of that. Either way, uh, well done on this one. Best of luck for the rest of the tournament. Thank you very much. So game number six, after missing out on game number five, sadly, uh, for work-related reasons, I'm back on the... uh, bottom table uh, playing against Pete uh, who's brought uh, an interesting uh, interesting thematic list uh, and we're playing domination uh, but there's a slight variant it's nine objectives rather than the usual five or six I can't remember how many it is normally um, but because it's the nine rings of men and each of these rings of men objectives strike fear into the heart of anyone who, who would try to wield them and uh, essentially at the end of each turn you have to make a courage check and it might make your people run away from the objectives which is quite cool uh, so Pete first of all um, just give us a bit of a rundown of your army. Uh, what what have you brought here? So the uh, the list is Riders of Eomer based on the uh, the uh, two towers um, army, which comes down the hill and obviously relieves uh, Helm's Deep from uh, the Isengard uh, army coming in to take it. It's led by Eomer, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, took six riders with him, Gandalf with another six, and Erkenbrand with his red shields, although, to be honest, uh, red shields aren't really what they were in the past. And then I've taken a fourth wall band with a captain and three extra riders. Um, and how have, you, how have you fared with it over the course of the day? I mean, the fact that we're both on the bottom tables is a hint, I guess. And you're, are you relatively new to the game as well? Uh, <laughs> unfortunately not. I'm just not very good. Um, <laughs> it's... Um, it is it's trash. It yeah. is utter trash, this list. Uh, you, uh, Gandalf's a total point sink. You're spending so much on taking him with Shadow Facts because the whole list has to be mounted. Mm. Um, you've got such low fight value across the board. Um, you don't have the benefit of uh, Death or Theoden. Or Royal like, Guard, even. I, oh, t- t- don't get me started on Royal Guard. <laughs> I've never, I never thought I'd miss a stupid old lead model so much. Um, and you just you lose so many fights, even when you sort of you, you get the numbers in and you get the charge in, and you think, yeah, I might actually take this. Um, that, yeah, it's. It, it's been a sobering experience. Fun because the game's fun. Fun because the opponents have been brilliant. But the list itself, I, it, it doesn't get a high rating on TripAdvisor. I'll be honest. Yeah, it, it, it's going to be it's going to be two stars. It's it's a steaming pile of dog turd, isn't it? <laughs> and and because well, you don't you, you didn't mention there that the, you lose the fight value bonus, which is one of the big deals, isn't it? Because you'll fight fight three um, riders, and you do get the strength bonus from the um, the charge of the thing, and you get some courage, which was very useful um, from Erkenbrand, but it doesn't seem to have that hitting power that you'd usually expect from riders. But and looking across the field, you know, uh, I deploy down with three trolls and. Uh, the troll chieftain and uh, all the magic and spoopiness. What what did you expect? Did did you have a plan? Yes, it didn't work. Um, so I completely forgot about paralyze on the Barrow Whites. I'm going to be honest about that. But the defense seven 
as we discussed at the end. Realistically, I wasn't going to be able to shoot him off the board, um, and you were beautifully sitting him back behind spectres and trolls. So my logic was, let's just get some dice in there, let's see if we can start punching some of those trolls in the mouth, and... Unfortunately, fight six versus fight three was only ever going to go one way. Yeah, um, and, and, and also um, fight six against fight five heroes, which obviously had weathered the storm of magic and um, paralyzes, and you'd had to spend extra points of might because your resist rolls were particularly poor. <laughs> so. The dimmer like, oh my god, the two might to strike up. You, ju- you don't think about how costly that's going to be in a combat up until the point where you think, all oh, right, so now if my dice rolls are uh, hot garbage, uh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And then, needless to say, the troll ate him. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was bad. The, yeah, so I think it, you, uh, one troll went into Urkin Brand and smashed him. Uh, an earlier turn, I'd thrown um, a horse through um, into Airmen, knocked him off his horse, uh, and then... Uh, I think transfixed him the next turn and stuff. There was just a lot of um, domination in terms of magic this turn. The Spectres didn't do anywhere near as much as they have done in some of the games, but uh, the High Courage uh, went there. But as soon as Urkenbrand went down, the Courage just became a, a huge deal uh, and your line just completely collapsed. The Dwimmer Lake, as you say, um, forcing Gandalf to spend two points to strike um, and um, various other different uh, things like that. Just just meant it was quite an oppressive, uh, oppressive game, I'd imagine, for you. It collapsed like a bit of a car tower at the end. I mean, it was fun, like, but the reality is that this is not an army that I would ever describe as competitive, even at a fun, fun-themed level, because, like you say, once Erkenbrand's gone, the courage is low. You've got a defence of five, for the most part, across the board. Your heroes are capping out at fight five, um, so you've, and you've only got two that can strike. So realistically as soon as you come up against a high fight or a high defense army you're gonna struggle and yeah i just uh, as a list it's fun to play and Mm. you get some nonsense but it it it, it's gonna still defeat from the jaws of victory on a regular basis and to be fair yours was really fun to play it's really weird list really weird list and i I must i must say the one of the things that you struggled here with was where the hell do you spend your point of magic each turn like you've got one caster i've got four trolls including a troll chieftain two barrow whites and you try to banish one once um but of course i got two wounds so it didn't really do much damage and and then there's the dwimmer lake as well who's who's potentially a banished target but of course uh, i don't think you ever tried to or, or got close enough to do anything to him so it's just an overwhelming choice of uh of targets which is impossible to to get to i suppose the thought was do you pop spectres but realistically is that a good use of gandalf's will per turn so no so then you're looking at your barrow whites like you say two wounds means you're not going to be able to take them out in one turn unless you channel it that's a waste of a might point because barrow whites are not the scariest thing on the table so you're looking at slowing down the trolls immobilizing them but then it comes back to a combat issue which even if you get into that combat immobilize you roll higher suddenly it, that immobilized was worthless and there's still three more trolls every turn <laughs> so it's tricky and to be fair i i pretty much ignored the objectives i we because we, there were so many of them i knew that if i got into somewhere in the middle and killed pretty much everything because we both had relatively low model count armies you had 29 i think it was or something 25. like that 25 um uh, so i had 22 so i think i knew that if i just kill everything in the middle i'll probably have a couple of objectives anyway so i didn't want to spread my stuff out you did send a contingent of riders the captain and his three riders round to grab one of the objectives which was probably a sensible move uh, except the um 
you'd left one guy on an objective who ended up running away because of the low courage um, with the Dwimmer Lake hovering around. So, so I, I think you probably deserved a couple more points, but it ended up being a 4-1 victory. Um, yes, I, I stomped you into the ground, but your hero is still alive. Gandalf's still alive and on his horse, although with no might, will or fate. Um, and uh, there's very few riders kicking about except the ones on the objective. So uh, it, it, if, I, if I think we'd probably go for a couple more turns, I think it would be decisively mine. I think, I, I think a tabling was in the offing. Very much so, but hey ho, yeah. it's a fun game. I laughed. Well, it was a it was a great game, and I hope you enjoyed the tournament. And uh, advice to people who considering the riders of AMA, uh, what what would you what would your final piece of advice be? Right, riders of Theoden's are a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot better. <laughs> uh, it, the one thing we were just talking about this afterwards, the riders of AMA. Um, it turns out the, the blinding light thing, which is like a shade effect, so you minus one, you have to decide that at the start of your move phase rather than the start of your combat phase, which seems ridiculous to me. I, and I, I take it that this hasn't been fact because I haven't seen that it's been fact, but it means that in a situation like this where you can't even predict how many of your troops are going to get in on the charge because you're taking a courage test for every single one, you could call it, it's once per game, and then not get off half your charges and be left getting countercharged. Yeah, you still get the minus one on dual rolls, but it's it's just too niche, it's too unpredictable. Unless you're going in against an army where you're not going to have anything get in your way, I, I just don't recommend it. Yeah, and and of course the uh, the minus one to dual rolls doesn't make, mean a damn thing if you've been paralysed and automatically lose the combat. So, <laughs> uh, Pete, uh, congratulations on the uh, tournament. I think it puts you at five losses, um, but you know you can rise stronger from the dirt once more uh, at another tournament. I'm sure. <laughs> Well, you know, strong foundations and all that. <laughs> the rest of the tournament's built on the backs of people like you and I. So <laughs> Exactly. I can't talk. I'm right at the bottom as well. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's the tournament. Thanks very much for the game, Pete. Cheers, Harry. It was great Cheers. fun, mate. Thank you very much for coming. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's definitely one of my favourite events to run. Um, we'll be running it again next year uh, and years to come. <laughs> So we're joined once more by a tournament organiser, Will Champion uh, of the Rings of Men uh, TOing fame. And Will, just, just tell me a little bit about Rings of Men. I'll probably precede this at the start of the episode, but it's fluff, isn't it, largely? It's, it's a, a perfect combination of fluff and nonsense in equal measure. Mm. Um, we're essentially ripping off uh, Seven Stones. It's my favourite event on the calendar. I think it is faultless. Um, and we wanted to do a, a sort of singles equivalent. Um, so instead of the seven stones, we do the nine rings of men. We do all sorts of like custom scenarios and silly things. Um, and we just put a huge emphasis on essentially just bringing nonsense, bringing the stupidest thing that you can think of or like something really themed that would never stand a chance in a normal tournament. And the, the logic is if everybody does that, it remains balanced and it, everyone can still have competitive games just with some really, really unique things on the table. And that has absolutely happened. Like, I mean, I, I brought my strange, strange, um, spoopy-filled um, spectre list, and you know, in a normal tournament, I'd be just absolutely stomped. And I mean, I've got good stomping um, in a few <laughs> games, but I've also ha felt like I've been in it uh, a lot of the time because everyone else's armies are so weird and wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we've had um, fairy tale themed sort of Goldilocks and the Three Bears we've had like your ghosty nonsense we've got some people that have just brought the worst legendary legions that currently exist and sort of everything in between um, you know just like pure Gondor but only you know specific heroes I think um, Chris Gross has done relatively well with um, what was it like bring out the ale the men are thirsty and it's just Boromir Faramir and Denethor and as many dudes as he could fit in so just some really cool things that 
people wouldn't normally even consider taking. And it's just really refreshing. Yeah, and, and there's been a lot of monsters as well. I mean, I played Jack with his three dra- his two dragons of the Drake, and I know uh, Steve has brought a, a, a I think a, a Drake, a dragon, and uh, Derbers on a chariot as well. Like, what was that all? <laughs> so people can bring like unique, uh, specific things that actually break the rules. Uh, in short, yes. Um, there's a lot more to it than that, just to make sure that people aren't sort of gaming the system. Um, the idea is that every list has to be um, like a legendary legion or a green alliance, unless it's particularly cool. Um, and that kind of goes for the special rules as well. So um, like Ryan Gregory's brought uh, Gundabad and he brought a Gundabad troll and he paid 10 points extra to give it a unique special rule that because it's rusty, it might give people tetanus. Like it's just a completely pointless, stupid thing. But it really like adds to the flavor of the weekend, um, and it's funny because I, I, from what I gather from Ryan, I, I, I spent a lot of time spectering it away from combats, and I don't think it's actually done uh, any tetanus at all uh, yeah, during yeah. the course of the tournament. But I'm sure he's been trying desperately hard to make it happen. Yeah, I can confirm, no one has tetanus. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, not a single model has successfully <laughs> contracted tetra- uh, tetris tetanus. Um, but in similar sort of things, so I think Steve McDonald, he's he's made like a chariot. Um, out of wags to carry derbers around on like some of these things if you try to set them to a normal tournament there would be some sort of room for an exploit or like a, a reason for doing it and in this case the people are doing it just because they can and it's silly yeah and it's it, like um, I know Aiden's brought um, gold, like you mentioned Goldilocks and the Free Bear and Goldilocks is of course Goldberry but no Tom because Goldberry exactly. Goldilocks but you know that's disallowed but that makes perfect sense in this instance yeah and you know he, he's got two bears and a bay awning he's got three goat riders he's got Galadriel as Red Riding Hood and Goldbriar's uh, Goldilocks yeah and the Billy Goats gruff for the three yeah. goat riders aren't they the, yeah. the list isn't very good like it, you know if he if he just wanted to take Goldbury and it was a 100 point event and there was you know it was an 800 point list and he was slipping Goldbury in then obviously not mm-hmm. but when he's you know built a really cool like cottage and awesome objective tokens and also hasn't won loads of games like it, it proves that these sort of unique ideas and little rule breaks are beneficial sometimes. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what it's all about. And um, so it, it's it's a fantastic event. I, I love this this one, and I know Seventh City do uh, a lot of these uh, sorts of events. Have you got any more big big ones on the horizon? Because I know last time we spoke to you uh, on the podcast, you were you were sort of talking about planning this big uh, GT, like a, a, a super event, uh, because we did. I think it was talking at the last GT actually, but you're planning a big one. Is that still on the cards? Yeah. So first. Uh, f- Part A of that answer, um, our next event coming up is the King's Call to Arms. Mm. So it's another stupid one. It's the um, Battle Companies hybrid event. So day one is Battle Companies. You then take your Battle Companies, whether you, you know, rained or, you know, shone. Um, and then you build that into a, a 700 point list and play day two. Really, really good fun. Lots of like conversions, lots of sort of quirky nonsense. Uh, so that's our next uh, event coming up. We'll have another one at Christmas time. We always do like a Christmas one day followed by a social um, next year we're hoping to be very very busy um, we're working with a couple of different people we're doing Gates of Gondolin again our 100 pointer and um, we're running the GP again next year we're, so that's going to be at a hotel we're aiming to have a capacity of 100 players for that um, Gates of Gondolin we're also aiming to have a capacity of about 80 um, and we're working with Ripon City Wargamers uh, you know a, a fell whisper on the horizon mm. um, who I used to um, participate with and we used to run of Dyson Men in Ripon um, and that's going to be making a return next year as well. Um, so it's going to be very busy. There's going to be lots of events to look forward to. Um, yeah, just look at the calendar for next year and all will be revealed. Yeah, the GBHL calendar, I think, is on the way. So now we need to find out who is the winner here at Rings of Men. And the winner is 
Jake Rawson, uh, who has brought uh, a Lothlorien army here to uh, the Rings of Men. And I think it's fair to say um, you brought a pretty standard uh, Lothlorien army, but it's got a bit of spice to it, hasn't it? So just give, it, give us a bit of a run-through, because uh, it is thematic, it's a pure list. So uh, what have you got here? Yeah, so you say it's, it's standard. For most people it is. Um, for me, it's something quite different. I don't normally go for models that cost more than 100 points. Right. But this time I've thrown in Galadriel and Celeborn, going for the theme of when they're assaulting Dol Guldur and that gets blown to hell. Um, just a, a smattering of different troops, a um, couple of Wood Elves, uh, sorry, Wood Elf Sentinels thrown in there, a bit of cavalry, and Orofin himself, my yeah. new favourite model. Controversial new uh, new model as well. So what would you usually, before we talk about Orofin, what would you usually have in your army? You mentioned not, not having many of the high point models. So normally I would take uh, two of the brothers, probably uh, Orofin and Rumil, and throwing the twins from Rivendell, as we've done from our games before. I'm mm. a massive fan of the twins. I just think cheap heroes at fight six are just a, a much better value than 150 points for Celeborn or someone like that. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Actually, the twins are really good value so but on to Orofin so you've you managed to win I think was it all six games yes yeah, yeah. okay so, so people have been saying about Orofin that you know he's rubbish he's not worth his points 95 points for a fight six hero but he hasn't got strikes so he's absolutely naff um, what would you say to that having played with him for six games I think everybody's got their own opinions on models but personally I would think he is a fantastic unit and saying that he's not worth his points I think would be wrong yes he could be better throwing strike in there or a horse or all these things that people want on every possible model but you can't always have what you want in a model and for what he does he does really well 85 points three attacks three might oh he's 85 he's 80, 85 points same as his brothers um he's a he's a great utility hero he can take on any kind of troops any low level heroes that can't strike be in fight six and three attacks as long as you've got the banner backing him up He's, he's going to do really well. Um, yes, it would be nice to throw in a few extra heroic actions or something, but for what he does, he does it really well. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, I must admit, that was kind of my judgment on him when I first saw him, because I, I, I thought, yeah, a fight six hero is a good hero, like, no matter what. I mean, yes, he doesn't have strike, but three attack fight six hero is even better, and then you've got banners around and pikes and spears and all these sorts of things. So I can't see him losing a lot of fights. I mean, yeah, if you charge him against Bolg, he's obviously going to lose. Or if you charge him against a, a fight five or six hero who's got strike when he's got might left, he probably has a good chance of losing. But you just don't do that. Exactly, and there's so few of those models on the board anyway, it's easy to keep him away from them and just have him mow through the troops, and he'll go a long way to take down the enemy's breakpoint. So as long as he's kept safe, then he'll he'll do what he needs to do. And I suppose that takes a bit of a careful planning, but it's still achievable. And and I suppose in a, a tournament like this where everyone there's been some weird weird um, lists that have, have been uh, been brought so you know whether it's the hundred ruffians uh, or or you know three tiny dragons or you know something like a tiny list with three dragons they're not tiny and um, you know I, I suppose you've had to put up with quite a lot of different variety has, has that been tricky uh, yeah in, in a way um, normally it would be a massive concern but having Galadriel there for the magic backup having Celeborn even getting those transfixes on mm. which again is someone I wouldn't normally bring it sort of enabled me to be a bit more frivolous with him because I've got that sort of fallback of transfixing anyone that comes and puts any kind of threat on him even though there has been a lot of crazy lists as you say this weekend um, my personal favourite is Matt's fellowship list but mm. pre-Rivendell that was a, an incredible list that he put yeah, together yeah that's the road to Rivendell and we, uh, we heard from him earlier on in the podcast he's got Bombadil and he's got Glorfindel and so on that, that, that is, it's ultra themey but actually in a tournament like this it turns out it's quite strong because there's so many weird lists going that his turns out to be one of the better weird lists absolutely yeah and it was a lot of fun to play against those are always the best kind of army 
academies that can do well and both sides can enjoy playing them. So, yeah, that was, that was phenomenal. That was the final game, actually. And, uh, yeah, it's nice to end it on a high. Yeah, and, and in terms of, you mentioned your, your sort of standard build uh, of Lothlorien's uh, with, with the Twins as an ally. Has it changed the way you sort of uh, approach Lothlorien? Do you think you'll you'll sit with this list maybe and try out a couple of tournaments in the future? Galadriel is definitely going to be a no-brainer to take now. As people have been telling me for months, why do you not always take Galadriel? And I say, because she can't fight, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Celeborn, I have warmed up to a little bit, but for another 30 points, I'm going back to bringing in the Twins. I just, two more heroes both at fight six, three attacks anyway. Yeah, Kelborn's got some nice tricks in him, but a simple player like me who doesn't rely on that sort of stuff mm. is much happier just to rely on base stats and fancy things. And I assume you bring some Rivendell Knights to make it an alliance there. No. Oh, no. So not Knights, sorry, Rivendell Models. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah some yeah. Rivendell Models thrown in there, just the basic troops. Yeah. I um, I don't like to bring in the Knights because again, they're really expensive. <laughs> I don't even like the Wood Elf Sentinels, but I thought I'd throw one in there today, see how it goes. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a man with cheap tastes. Yeah, fair enough. And uh, so it's 850 points, so it's quite large. How big How big was your army? Was it uh, a sort of super, super duper chock full of models? It was 40 two all yeah, totaled so, so not bad for an elf army at that point level yeah was, I think that's pretty solid and, and you know you've got mentioned cavalry and sentinels in there as well so well either way Jake uh, congratulations I understand you're a big fan of uh, Lothlorien in general and I know, I know we've played before with uh, uh, with elves but I didn't know it was quite such a thing that you, you like so it's nice Neither to see I, until everybody has now just pinged me as that guy uh, so. well there you go <laughs> well either way it must be uh, it must be a nice feeling to have won, uh, won a tournament with uh, with a Lothlorien army a pure Lothlorien army especially with this new controversial orifice absolutely and on my home turf as well is really nice it's my local store so it's it's fantastic i'll have bragging rights for the next few weeks until uh, imps comes along which i'm very much looking forward to <laughs> well I, I look forward to seeing your list being submitted with an orifin included absolutely without a doubt <laughs> all right well thanks very much for talking really? to me thank you very much cheers jake rawson there the winner of the rings of men 2022 i hope you enjoyed listening to some of the uh, bonkers creations that people had come up with and i mentioned um earlier that that people have come with all sorts of strange strange things to this tournament and it was a real delight i mean for example there was one army uh, run by steve mcdonald who had um a derbers riding a candace chariot and this was allowed um <laughs> because why not i guess um so it really was a delight to to enjoy the sort of relaxed atmosphere that, that seventh city has and uh, also the just the bonkers list that people came with and uh, the the true artistry on the show i mean um I, I don't think I'm dismissing everyone else's armies by saying Aidan Lummer's work was absolutely fantastic. And um, you can check out the GBHL blog um, on this, actually. Um, the, if you search for uh, the GBHL um, on uh, or sort of basically pinned post on the top of the Great British Hobbit League Facebook page, um, you'll be able to see a little blog post that I've done. Um, which includes a precy of Aidan Lummer's army for this event uh, with some pictures. It's absolutely outstanding. Um, I, I think we touched on it there with, with Will uh, just a few minutes ago. The Goldilocks um, or Goldberry Locks, the Billy Goat's Gruff, uh, the Three Bears. Uh, I, I mean, Aidan has basically built this army exclusively for this event. I mean, I, I'm sure he'll use some of the models and the, the settings in other tournaments, but this army simply wouldn't be allowed at most tournaments um, and yet Aiden has done it for the love of it it's a beautiful piece of work fairy tale based um, and something that I think Tolkien would really really appreciate he was a big fan of mythology and, and fairy tales and things like that so um, I think it's a real real um, inspiration to, to anyone who paints and uh, models and hobbies um, in the way so really do go and check out that out in fact I might uh, steal the image uh, and put it as the um, 
as the, the sort of uh, holding image or thumbnail for, for this podcast because it's really outstanding. Um, and Jake, uh, Jake Wilson, uh, congratulations to Jake there. Uh, also to Pete, uh, who we played in the last game with his Riders of Air in there. Um, he took home most sporting and also Wooden Spoon. Um, and in fact, his only tournament points um, from the, the event were because he uh, had the most sporting vote. And he was a lovely chap. He took uh, he took it all um, in his stride. It was it was delight. So uh, uh, congratulations to both of them, um, both complete ends of the spectrum. And Jake there mentioned um, he's going to bring uh, his Lothlorien army to imps. And this is something that perhaps... Uh, if you didn't quite pass it, get the uh, the reference, um, I've mentioned this a couple of times in my podcast before. This is Lord of the Imps. This is my tournament that I, I run, and um, the timelines are all a little bit over the place because I recorded parts of this podcast before uh, the Lord of the Imps, and some of it after. Uh, I, I'm after the uh, Lord of the Imps right now. So um, essentially, Jake was was planning to take his. Um, Lothalorian list to Lord of the Imps and I, I did vaguely hint that I might be able to record at Lord of the Imps um, but I, I also suggested that I probably won't have time and I was right that I don't have enough time to record at my own events because I'm just running around like a madman um, serving people drinks ensuring I've got all the tables sorted, ensuring everything's packed away at the end, uh, and all those sorts of things. So I didn't have enough time to record. But it's worth flagging out now. I'm going to do it now. This is going to be my Lord of the Imps moment, um, because it was a fantastic event. There was 80 people who turned up. Um, uh, we had one person drop out for one game on Sunday morning, because he was a very naughty boy, um, and another person who dropped out on Sunday afternoon um, for a game because of various issues relating to um, his Airbnb. And Everyone stayed for the full six games at a GBHL 100-point event, which is the sort of more competitive, um, I guess more competitive. I say competitive. I don't think many people were there really, really competing, um, but uh, it, it awards more points in the Great British Hobbit League. And um, 80 people there, I think it was fantastic. We all had a whale of a time, played games, and um, all with a with a really cool theme built around it, which is where... You have a leader on day one, and then that leader dies and is replaced by a lieutenant you've chosen on day one's in day one's list, and then you sort of top up the points with other people and so on. So it's really cool. And Jake said to me um, in that interview, he plans to bring uh, a Lothlorien list with um, with Orifin in it, and I was very very pleased to see that he did indeed do that because he brought. Uh, day one, his list was Galadriel as a leader, uh, with Rumil as a uh, lieutenant and Eladdin and Elrahir, uh, and a variety of different um, models for 900 points. And then his day two leader was his lieutenant on day one, which was Rumil, and he added Orifim in, uh, and, sorry, Orifin with an N, sorry, not an M, uh, Kurdan, and uh, the rest of the stuff was still there. So so he did bring Orifin, and he did uh, have Rumil as leader day one, 40-something models, uh, all elves on day one and two. And he did a cracking job. He ended up coming third overall, um, which which was incredible. So uh, Jake's clearly a man to watch out for after winning a, a GBL 80 and coming third in a, a GBHL 100 and clearly doing well with Lothlorien, which hasn't traditionally been um, considered one of the competitive lists. But I think people are starting to wise up to it. It's not as if it's had loads of great models added to it, but maybe it's just something to do with the prevalence of magic at the moment that having resistance and uh, magic on and high courage on all your models and elven blades and fight five and fight six pikes and all that sort of stuff uh, it seems to be coming up trump so uh, uh cracking work uh, from jake uh, both in this tournament we've been just talking about 
but also at the Lord of the Imps. And I must give a shout out to Alexis Dufresne, who uh, he won the Irish tournament, and I can't pronounce the name of it, uh, the one in Dublin that I went to a while back, um, which was a fantastic tournament, uh, and I played against his Angmar, um, and he did a cracking job in this tournament. He was on top table every game, basically, um, after the first one, uh, and just narrowly pipped, uh, uh, lost out in the very final round uh, to Tom Wagg who uh, we spoke to in this episode. Um, so, Tom Wagg, well done to you, uh, who who won all six of his games on uh, uh, Lord of the Imps. So, um, apologies for sort of sidetracking away from uh, the, the, the Kings, uh, Rings of Men, because uh, I just wanted to flag up um, my own tournament and, and just say thank you to all of those who turned up uh, at BGU University. Uh, 80 players, as I say, and uh, great theme. And to Tim Elwes, uh, who... Uh, was my stalwart uh, supporter of the whole weekend, um, who uh, I wouldn't have been able to do it without. And also to the to the chaps who came over from the island of Ireland, including uh, Dave and uh, Ivan, who who t- were top five players, and Michael Bradford, uh, who came over, who was uh, in the top ten as well. So, uh, and of course, uh, Panda Warrior himself, Alexis Dufresne, who travelled from Belgium. So, uh, really, really was fantastic. Um, loads of people travelling from uh, different countries. Um, uh, and overseas and so on, and and, and having uh, not just done well, but also um, done, you know, uh, enjoyed themselves. I hope so. So um, fantastic, and and I will do a, a lot of the imps next year, hopefully. Um, I, I say hopefully only because I'm getting married next year, and I'm organising one big event already. So um, we'll see what happens. It might be smaller. It might. Um, we'll see. But I, I suspect I'll be able to do both. Uh, one's in August, and the others in October. So. We should be okay. Uh, so anyway, that's pretty much it. Um, I, I've mentioned about my competition. You've got uh, just probably a week or two more um, uh, for your guesses or, or sort of suggestions for the title of the Battle for Unnumbered Tears episode, which I suspect will be coming out somewhere in the region of 17th or maybe... I don't know, somewhere somewhere in the region of uh, the 17th or 18th um, of uh, October, um, because I'm hoping I'll get it out uh, ahead of another tournament planned uh, in the 22nd. So I should have a string of quick, uh, quick-fire podcasts, including at some point I'm going to squeeze in a, a big events podcast, because um, you probably have seen lots of different things dropping in um, recently uh, that... Uh, in the Great British Hobbit League, the calendar has been announced for next year for all the uh, all the events. So lots of events have started being advertised, including some enormous ones, including uh, of course Ardacon, which uh, was the last ep- episode of the podcast all covering. Uh, tickets have started coming out for that. Um, also the Grand Prix, um, which is the one that Will mentioned um, earlier on in our little interview that he's doing a big um, sort of. Uh, pod-based system. We we did a sort of trial run at this earlier in the year, and I came um, top of the second pod. Uh, so it's a kind of knockout, like a World Cup type thing, and you go into groups and or a rever- reverse World Cup, I suppose. I don't know. Anyway, uh, something like that. Um, he explains it better, and I'm sure we'll uh, have a bit of a chat about it. Uh, and also um, uh, other other ones like Into the West in Cardiff, um, which is a big one because. Um, it's just a big one. Uh, it, a, it's 450 points, or it certainly was last year. Uh, and B, it attracts 100 players or thereabouts. So one of the biggest events. So hopefully I'm going to do a special podcast all about all three of those tournaments, just getting a bit of an idea and kind of you know, building up a bit of excitement ahead of these events because I feel like 
I feel like we're at a cracking time for big Lord of the Rings events. I mean, um, you know, I've just had <clears throat> 80 people at my tournament in the last week or so. Um, and that's, you know, this isn't a, I don't consider my event as being a particularly well run one, if I'm completely honest. Um, it's a bit slapdash. It's all very handmade and personally done. And I, I think people appreciate that, you know, I go to effort to, you know, get local caterers and, and, you know, put a keg and all that sort of stuff on. But it's still a bit slapdash at times. Um, but having said that, these events, the Grand Prix, uh, Ardicon and Into the West in particular, and I'm sure there are other big events out there which are similarly well run. In fact, uh, the Scouring of Sterling um, Shear, uh, which is coming up this uh, this December, which, which is another cracking event that's um, very well run, although sadly I won't be able to come this year. Um, all of these events are so well done. It feels very, very professional. And they're not professional. None of these people are making the big books, uh, I, I, I assume. I mean... Ardicon is obviously a huge event and Grand Prix is run by a company but Into the West that's run by Matt King who is just one of us as it were and the same with the guys at uh, uh, Scotland so um, I, I, if they feel really professional and, and I think this is something that um, that MESBG really deserves is a professional tournament scene so uh, I'm going to do a bit of a special podcast at some point in the next coming weeks uh, uh, big, uh, bigging up these things um, and I know uh, for instance if you're listening to this on Tuesday the 11th of October the Grand Prix tickets are already up for sale um, and I do actually have a, an affiliate link um, uh, Will Champions given me a link that if you buy the tickets via my link which I'll, I'll, I'll put up on uh, the socials um, it gives some pennies over to the podcast um, and I feel a bit weird sort of uh, saying this sort of stuff, but uh, it does help. Um, it encourages me to, to do things and it, it helps pay for more tournaments, I guess, and uh, to cover hosting and blah, blah, blah. So, uh, you know, and, and I think you can use it for pretty much any any hobby act stuff while you're there. So check out my social media on the 11th and hopefully you'll, you'll if you go via my link, I'd very much appreciate that. Um, if you want to support the podcast in any other way, um, like us on Facebook and you know um, follow the patron thing you can get uh, widgets and gadgets and all that sort of stuff if you're a patron um, and I think we might have a new dawn for the YouTube channel very soon because it's been a bit dormant and I know some people are big fans of the YouTube channel and others who are listening probably have no idea Battle Games in Middle Earth my YouTube channel has lied lay dormant it's fair to say but they're, they're, I have plans whether they all actually come off i don't know but um basically i have plans centered around my plans to do a numenor force <clears throat> so i've i've teased and teased about my numenor force finally it will reach the tables in the coming weeks and that means some video content uh, alongside it so do keep an eye out on my on battle games of middle earth and feel free to smash that subscribe button maybe even ding that bell as the people on youtube's like to say but if if you don't care about any of that stuff just carry on listening to Wimp Moot. I really, really appreciate it. Boorum. Boorum.